Greetings from Longtime No See, the podcast. Every week, we'll be inviting two blindfolded comedians to answer a series of questions about their careers, lives, and opinions. Now, let's remove those blindfolds and start the show. Hi! What would your opening line with your celebrity crush be? Loved you in Harry Potter. <laughs> Worst date you've been on? A man bit my neck mole off once. You did what? A man bit my neck mole off. Oh my God, Jack almost fell off his chair. Be sure to follow and subscribe to the podcast. It's easy to hear your favorite artist on WFPK from wherever you are. Listen on your smart speaker, live stream from our website at WFPK.org from Louisville Public Media. Well, look, you got loads of cool stuff behind there. Consequence Podcast Network. And welcome to another edition of Kyle Meredith with It's the Interview Series presented by WFPK at WFPK.org, Consequence, and the Consequence Podcast Network. Thanks as always for making your way here, of course, for uh, checking out the uh, the episode. And uh, I do hope you hit that subscribe button so you can keep up with the entire series. You do that, I give you three brand new interviews every single week. A new one every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Great way to keep up with your favorite artists and discover those new ones at all the usual places, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, at NPR, WFPK.org, Consequence, YouTube for the video versions, or anywhere you get your podcast from, you can subscribe to Kyle Meredith with. Uh, some of my recent guests have included uh, Neck Deep, the band Neck Deep, uh, Michael Shannon, the actor, on with Jason Narducci to talk about uh, covering R.E.M. I uh, spoke with Slater Kinney, Jack Antonoff dropped in to discuss the new Bleachers album, uh, Peter Capaldi, Doctor Who himself, along with Tom Mucci were here as we uh, talked about criminal records on Apple TV+. McKenna Grace, you know her from the uh, Ghostbusters movies. We talked with Janelle Monet, Andy Taylor of Duran Duran, Queens of the Stone Age lead singer Josh Homme, and Dolly Parton. Just an example of what you get when you subscribe to the Kyle Meredith with podcast. And if you're already subscribed, please do me a favor and uh, give the show a rating wherever you're listening from and a review. Those are the two things that go so far in helping out a show like this. Subscribe, rating, and review. Kyle Meredith here today. So excited. My guest, Neil Halstead of the band Slow Dive. They're, of course, back with a new record called Everything is Alive. It's their second album since reforming. And Neil's going to discuss how starting the LP with 40 electronic instrumentals and the way the group typically works, although with this album sort of trying it in a way they had never done it. We'll hear about them using the same studio since their beginnings, one which still has the same couch as it has for over 30 years, uh, and how he writes with mood in mind, a little bit more than lyrics. Neil's also going to tell us about how he resurrected the song and Andalusia Plays from his uh, early 2010 solo work, how his love of 60s pop finds its way into songs like Kisses and uh, A Life, uh, the loads of unreleased songs that are in his vaults, how they took some cues from The Cure, and scoring the movie The Unknown Country, starring Lily Gladstone, all that and more as we talk Everything is Alive. It's Kyle Meredith with Neil Halstead of Slow Dive. Hi, Kyle. How are you? <laughs> I'm well. And seriously, it's so great to uh, to talk to you. The new music, the old music, everything you've done in between. Uh, I'm such an admirer of. But this new album is so good. And I, I'm, I'm even looking at your tour list here. You guys got a monster. You're going to be out on the road for a little bit this year, right? Yeah, yeah, and and we we did a fair bit last year as well, starting in September. So uh, I haven't really looked at the schedule yet. I don't want to scare myself. 
but yeah, there's a few, there's a few gigs. It's good. It's good though. We, we, we sort of enjoy the touring, you know, it's, it's a bit tough being away from home for long periods, but we try and try not to be away for two, you know, usually it's like three or four weeks at a time, you know, and then we'll be home for a bit. So yeah. A good way to do it. But yeah. And I should mention, um, cause I'm here in Louisville, May 7th, you'll be here in Louisville at the uh, Paris town. So I look forward to that. I think last time I was in Louisville was maybe 15, 16 years ago. I did like a weird radio convention there. And, oh, the uh, non-convention when it was still yeah, here. Yeah. I drank yeah. a lot of whiskey. I hung out with Ed Harcourt and Nora Jones, which was fun. I think that was when she was having a really big record, actually. She was. She had a big start, record. Start, and Starting her journey. Yeah, it was an infamous, infamous show for her as well because of those radio conventions people are can they can be a little bit loud and gabby during the show yeah yeah and she, she was just, having none of that just shut it down i remember being told about it i missed it but i was told all about it yeah she she told them off good and good on her too because they deserved it <laughs> <laughs> no it's good to see i mean you know with that you like you have been touring for a very long time has your routines changed these days like how do you keep yourself sane and busy on the road these uh, on on tours like this still trying to figure that out the, the temptation was always to drink a lot you know and i found like i can't really do that now you know i still like to go and find a nice pint of guinness somewhere and but rather than spend all day there i'll uh, try try and do some other stuff as well um yeah, no, it, it, it can be it can be tricky. It's a sort of a weird, you know, your day is a bit odd, you know. So, uh, you know, because everything happens, you're sort of, everything is sort of, you know, it, you know, it's this thing that's happening at nine or 10 o'clock at night, you know, so the rest of the day. Yeah, it's just figuring out. But there's, you know, I try, you know, I always have a laptop with me and guitar, you know, and so I, I try and do music or work on different things or, you can't just yeah. binge curb your enthusiasm so many times, I guess. <laughs> but, you know, there's always stuff to see, you know. We're always usually in interesting cities. And so there's always, if you can have the motivation and, um, you know, go and see an art gallery or... And at this point, there's usually someone I know somewhere, <laughs> somewhere close. So. That's helpful. I mean, you know, friends in every city kind of a thing. That's exactly. Very so it's yeah. just like it's always a nice chance to catch up with people uh, if if you can, you know. So yeah. Well, I am excited to see see this record perform live. But but getting into it, you know, so the story's been told. You know, it's now been a handful of years since since the uh, the last record, and for all the obvious reasons, pandemic, et cetera, et cetera. But even with that, did you find that getting that reunion record out of the way did that did that lend anything to did that take the weight off of getting into this one i mean at all is there is there any direct comparison to the two records yeah i mean it did feel quite different i suppose approaching this one and i kind of felt like we needed to start it somewhere sort of different to where we'd started other records you know just so that there was um yeah just just to give it a sort of an element of trying to do something different and um i think the you know slow dive we recorded straight out of having done a bunch of touring after we got back together and i think it it just carried that kind of energy 
with it so it was a, it was a quicker record to do in that and, and this one was what took a lot longer you know we started in i guess i started throwing ideas out to the band in 2019 um so it took a while and it was quite slow slow at times painful process <laughs> and you know i it yeah it took a while to figure out what kind of record it was going to be you know and probably that didn't it kind of figured itself out really towards the end but it you know we started off with i sent the band like over 40 ideas that were just electronic sketches really well some of them were more finished than others but they were all just sort of instrumental electronic things that i'd done really in the last sort of five six years just stuff that i'd done on my own in the studio and I thought it might be an interesting way to start a slow dive record, you know, just use a few of those to and just see see where they went really, you know. Do you find that that did change the way you all did song? Like, like so much of music happens in a jam. I, I'm going to use that loosely, you know. It's just noodling around, you know, finding your spot, but. Yeah, but, and I, I don't know if that's the same for you, but you know, when when you're sending it to them, it, you know, and and here's demos or whatever, here's pieces. Yeah, like how much does that approach then change the way that you write a song? Because it it doesn't just become, you know, a group of people in a room feeling their way out until the song is created. Yeah, I mean, we don't. I mean, there's only a few songs we've ever w really worked that way, but what we do is usually you know just work on an idea so if i bring an idea in we work on it as a band you know um and in some ways that there is an element of jamming with that you know because you're just playing around with an initial idea and you just see what kind of direction you can take it in um so you'll try it in loads of different ways and just see how you can extend the idea and but i think digital recording makes that process really interesting because you can you know you can really dig into taking loops and different pieces of things and playing around with them really easily which was much harder to do you know when we first started recording in the 90s it was still all on tape and you know melon yellow was a track where we literally had a, a song that we just accidentally put on the tape the wrong way around and it sounded really mental backwards, you know, so we ended up basically just adding a few things on top of that and some vocals, and that was the song. But doing something like that now was much easier to do, you know. But uh, but do you get the happy accidents in that way as often? You do, yeah, because, you, I mean, and that's really almost what Sodive looked for, really, initially, is just that happy accident where you're like, oh, that's cool, that's... Some, let's work on that, you know, use that as the basis for something. And we'll be right back right after this. Shout out to uh, Astapro for sponsoring this episode and providing us with free samples. Uh, I, I live in Kentucky, in the Midwest, and allergies, yeah, I suffer. When I say I suffer from allergies, I suffer from allergies. And around here, everyone I know deals with allergies to some degree. And for a long time, I thought it was just something that I would have to live with, which is a real problem um, for anything, but especially when you're a radio host. It affects my voice, it affects my mood, it affects everything. And I feel like I've tried every, I've tried all the medicines. Some of them 
work better than others, but there's there's never a perfect one out there, especially because some of them take forever to actually work and some of them don't work at all. And then there's Astapro, the fastest solution to nasal allergy symptoms. It's what I use now and it's definitely changed my life. Astapro is the first of its kind nasal allergy spray. It's the fastest 24 hour over the counter allergy spray. It starts working in 30 minutes while other allergy sprays take hours. Uh, Astapro is the first and only 24 hour steroid free allergy spray. Astapro delivers full prescription strength indoor and outdoor allergy relief from nasal congestion, runny and itchy nose and sneezing. With all the pollen in the air, with all the dust around the the corners of the house, uh, even with uh, the allergies I have from my dog, Astapro has been the nasal spray that has helped me with all of my allergies. And it can help you too. Get fast-acting nasal allergy symptom relief with Astapro. Go to astaproallergy.com for a discount so you can Astapro and go today. A-S-T-E-P-R-O allergy.com. That's A-S-T-E-P-R-O allergy.com. Astapro and go. Use as directed for relief of nasal congestion, runny nose, sneezing, and itchy nose due to allergies. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back. It's Kyle Meredith with Neil Halstead of Slow Dive. Correct me if I'm right, like you all still record in the same place you always have, right? Yeah, I mean, I have a studio here um, in Cornwall where I live, uh, which I do a lot of work in. But the Slow Dive, we've used a studio, our friend Chris Hufford's studio, in, uh, uh, which is out near Oxford. And we've used that studio since pretty much day one. Um, so we always end up going back there and doing some work there. It's just a nice, like, I guess it's a comfortable environment. I still got the same sofa, you know, when we were kids. <laughs> <laughs> Does the sofa get cleaned? Uh, the sofas don't get cleaned, right? That's not a thing you really do. It's, it's a leather. It's a very lived leather sofa. Yeah. Right, because every studio had a leather sofa, especially back then. Of course. A friend of mine told me this great story about he, he got to work um with tom jones once doing a vocal <laughs> and he had a pretty grotty studio and he felt compelled to buy a new leather sofa before tom came in and and did his vocal and apparently he came in with his entourage did the vocal in about five minutes and disappeared without <laughs> mentioning once how nice the sofa so <laughs> leather sofas were pretty rigor in the 80s and 90s i think i'm not sure if it's still the same and I feel like there's a coffee table book somewhere in this conversation yeah. about the uh, the uh, the the uh, the sofas, the studio sofas of the 80s and 90s. Studio so. sofas, yeah. <laughs> if you're looking for a side project, let's just throw that. Tell some stories, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so back on the songwriting, and 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 sort of further on what you were talking about here. When I hear you talk about songs, a lot of the time, of course, 
you know, I mean, there is a slow dive sound, even though it changes from album to album. But when so when I hear you talk about it, it's less about like a lot of songs. Oh, that song's about, you know, it becomes about the story with you. It always seems to start with the mood. Is that how you start a song? Is it about mood with you? I think it it, it really is with slow dive. I, I mean, when I'm, you know, I spent a long time writing acoustic music and basically making almost folk records and it was the other way around the lyrics were kind of the grounding thing that was the bit you worked around and with slow dive it, it's definitely we we work around an atmosphere you know so it's it's that's the the spark really that, that begins the thing yeah you get one moment on there right i mean the uh, andalusia please yeah which is actually a, a really old song of mine that i hadn't put on a solo record and it just hung around and i ended up kind of uh redoing the the melody a bit and and sort of thought well maybe it'll work for a so dive album you know in a slightly different way yeah it's a cool moment on the record like how much is in the vault how how many opportunities do you have because you said like you started with like 40 ideas that you sent over oh yeah there's a lot in the vault there's a lot in the vault Kyle yeah (laughs) I mean, I I go to I go to the studio a lot and I work on stuff and most of it never sees the light of day. And you, you forget about it, you know. That's the, that's the problem. And now it's even easier to forget about stuff because hard drives just kind of sit there and you get a, gets full and you get another hard drive and you forget about or you know it. And then you realize you don't have the right lead for the old hard drive anymore. <laughs> you know stuff like that so it just sits there it just sits there well this you know when i see when artists get further into their career when they've been together longer you know it's almost like um what am i trying to say there's less time wasted if that's a way to put it that's it sounds like a bad way to put it but but you know everything becomes more concise there seems to be less chances for a deluxe edition where you just haven't here's you know 20 other songs that we recorded that didn't make the record yeah i think we've always been very maybe overly um curated and you know we curate curate our stuff maybe you know i I, like when we did the first album we were we didn't want to put any old we didn't want to put any of the ep tracks on the record because we wanted it to be a completely new record which seems a bizarre decision now because our strongest material at that point was the you know the singles really you know when we like alan mcgee had to literally beg us to put catch the breeze on the first album he wanted us to put you know a bunch of stuff from the eps because i suppose he realized that actually albums are the things that that survive really eps are not the go-to artifact, you know. <laughs> but I think we've always been a bit like that, where we, we just want to have this one sort of thing, be it an EP or an album that is distinct and individual and um, is not, you know, doesn't have a lot of filler, you know. We, I, I, I mean, personally, I don't like long albums. I think albums should be eight or nine songs, 40 minutes tops maybe 45 but you know in the in the 90s everyone was putting out cds with like over an hour's worth of material on it and it's just it just becomes a bit boring you know um and and i think probably just growing up listening to vinyl and being 
you know, that thing of having four songs, five songs or whatever, each side. And it's a, it's a nice chunk of music. You know, it's a good way to consume it, I think. It's really, re- people, artists really had it figured out early on because of the parameters. I mean, that's, as they would say, you couldn't put too much music on one side of the record because it would degrade the sound. So you sort of had, like we figured out just by chance, it seems like 40 minutes is a really good amount of time to put together a piece of musical art. Yeah, that's right. And you can take a little break halfway if you want, roll a joint, whatever it is you want to do, have a cup of coffee. But yeah, I mean, it always, maybe because we, we condition ourselves to that length that anything more feels too much to me. But but yeah, it there's only so long you can focus, I think, or concentrate on the music. And we'll be right back right after this. Welcome back. It's Kyle Meredith with Neil Halstead of Slow Dive. As someone who really was paying attention to the music of the 60s and 70s, and I, th- I think it was your bandmates that was saying, you know, if it, when it came to 60s pop, like you were the person that probably listened to that a little bit more than everybody else. Yeah, I, I'm a massive 60s kind of kid. But at the same time, like you don't mind going for the droney experimental stuff on on the other side like is that a is there ever a contrasting little argument that happens inside you (laughs) about you know what to do like like you have this this classic pop side and you have this great you know for better terms shoegazy droney side to you like what's what's the compromise there how does that work Uh, i don't think you need to i mean i think you just if you like we you know i think we all as a band sort of like both sides of that, you know, so I guess it's nice to try and keep both sides alive, you know? So I think we did that right from the off with the very first EP and we, we sort of continued, we all, we had a sort of tradition with the EPs where we would put the single on the A side and then there'd be something like an instrumental or something a bit different on the B side. Um, And so I think the albums just, expand that a little bit you know it's try. it's always trying to fit both all aspects of the band onto the record you know you don't want to confine yourself i don't think we'd feel comfortable just doing an album of pop songs and we probably couldn't you know i think there's but there's definitely a side of us that really lo- just loves a great pop song you know we just did some shows with the cure and they're like uh you know we're all massive massive cure fans since since we were kids and just i think they're really good at that you know they have these amazing pop songs and then they have these great drawn out you know things like a forest that just go on and on and they you know but it's still compelling and it's you know it's still beautiful and um they're a band that does that really well i think you know combine those two things absolutely do you think we'll ever hear that that cure album that's become chinese democracy for them Well, rumors, rumors are afoot that it may may see daylight. You know, um, Nick is our resident cure expert, so he's always feeding us little little things. And but yeah, who knows? I you know, I hope so. You know, I, I the new stuff they were playing live sounds amazing. Like the first song, the song they open with, um, it was is really really good. And I, you know, um, so hopefully, yeah. Those moments, they are evident on here. I, I think you've talked about them before, the uh, uh, kisses and 
and say, is is it a leaf? Is it a, a, a life? Like I've, I'm, oh, a life, a life. I've gone back and forth. I was like, I need someone to say this because I want to call it Alfie to begin with. But <laughs> it's weird, right? I mean, my um, yeah, Rachel always used to call it Alfie for about a year. She was calling it Alfie, and at a certain point, I was like, it's actually a life. But I don't, I don't know why it is a life. It just was, you know, when you're working on rough ideas, they usually end up having really stupid sort of working titles and that that one always was that and stayed that and it might have just been a spelling happy accident there we go let's see (laughs) but those pop those pop sensibilities are in both of those songs and 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 hearing you talk about even second guessing a song like kisses like maybe it's too pop like like lessons learned that maybe there's not such a thing for you all because that's if the cure is any example i guess yeah, I think we worked when we were working on Kisses. It we went that's the, the song that probably went through it. We recorded it in so many different ways, and I think a lot of that was because we were scared of the pop version, which was the one we put on the record because it's quite light lyrically, at least the chorus is very light lyrically, and it felt we didn't want to make a kind of facetious track, you know, and I think. Like I always worried that it was too too light, and because the, it came very easily as a song, it was one of those ones where I wrote, a, I did the demo, and I sent it to everyone. And I was like, "Does anyone know where this song comes from?" Because it felt so familiar to me, and I felt like I must have, you know, ripped someone else off, you know. So I was like, <laughs> I was saying, "Nick, is this like a Cure song? Is it a New Order song?" It's just because it had those elements to me but i couldn't tell if i'd actually taken one of their songs <laughs> <laughs> so you're always like slightly scared of the ones that come easy you know it's kind of like there must be something wrong with it you know it ends up being a, a nice hit for you guys that's you know it's... yeah and i really i love playing it live it's a really fun one to do live and it it's interesting like how familiar that one's become to the audience already you know so on the other one on a live what happened when you stepped up to the mic? That song was actually um, my partner, Ingrid, wrote. The part that Rachel sings was actually written by her. And it was a song that I'd been playing around the house quite a lot. But it, it was pretty similar to, well, it's slightly different to what you hear, but it didn't have those breakdown sections. And Ingrid started singing this something I longed to. It, and I was like, oh, that's really cool. Let's record that. And we ended ended up sort of, making it into a into another section in the song and then obviously Rachel re-sung it um but yeah it's definitely a mood a mood piece <laughs> I suppose but it does happen like like slab is the same like slab is really I think more of what I was thinking along the lines of that like what happens when you go up to a song where it's just like yeah it's vocal things that's what that's what I was yeah. getting at yeah yeah, yeah, the, the, the slab is definitely more in that in in that that vibe. You know, a life has got this story about a river, which was sort of I think just harking back to where Rachel and I grew up. Um, and you know, the the river was quite an important part of the town and all that sort of stuff. And um, but thinking about that, I guess rivers are. You know, any town has got a river, right? Generally. You know, but it's like where the legend comes from. There's always like stories about people, you know, dark stories or whatever, you know. Rivers are cool. Particularly in England, I think, you know, we have a we have an interesting relationship to rivers. 
Um, but yeah, so but that's where our life comes from. So that that yeah, but uh, the slab is definitely a kind of we just wanted it to be this heavy slavish bit of music. But I, I love I do I love how the vocals just float around and it's like you can't re you can sing along to it and you can't at the same time. You know, it's almost like if I try right. to sing along to the slab. I'm I'm more or less creating another vocal part for it you know, at the same time. Yeah, ideal. Know? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's cool. Those mood moments, and um, I'll quickly also because I was looking at my notes here. Uh, you the um, uh, the unknown country, uh, Lily Gladstone having a big moment right here. Yeah, what did you do with that? Um, so um, Marissa Maltz, the director, um, I guess got in touch because she wanted to use some a couple of slow dive tunes in the film. And then she sent what she had of the film. It wasn't finished at that point. Um, and obviously it's Lily's, I think it's her first sort of full, full fit feature. But yeah, I, I mean, I really love the film and, and I offered to do some score work for it. And so I ended up doing, doing a few scenes score work. Um, but yeah, it's a great film. I think if people get a chance to see it, um, it's a sort of, I don't know, it's sort of like a docu-film in some ways, you know, it's not like a scripted film, you know, and a lot of the people in it aren't really acting. They're real, you know, but Lily is acting, but is also real. It's, yeah, it's an interesting kind of, but it's beautifully shot. The cinematography is amazing. It's a kind of a road movie, you know. And yeah, Lily's gone on and she's, you know, the killers of the flower moon. And I think she just got a, got a golden globe. globe. Yeah. yeah. So, which is amazing. So, um, and yeah, Marissa's great. The director, she's, um, you know, she's, she's working on another film at the minute that I'm doing some music for, which kind of is sort of somewhat related to unknown country, but yeah, well, well worth checking out. Yeah. Well, I look forward to checking that one out, too. In the meantime, I love the new record, and uh, I'm excited to see you guys May 7th right here in the Louisville. Neil, thank you so much, seriously, for taking the time to talk today, man. It's been a real real pleasure. Thanks, Carl. And, uh, yeah, we'll see you, see you at the show, I hope. And my thanks to Neil Slow Dive. Their new record is called Everything is Alive. Thanks to you, again, for checking out the episode. Please do hit that subscribe button while you're, while you're hanging around. Uh, again, you do that, you get three new interviews sent to you every single week, new and every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. All the usual spots that you can do that, uh, including Spotify, Apple Podcast, NPR, WFPK.org, Consequence, YouTube for the video versions, or anywhere you get your podcast from, subscribe to Kyle Meredith with. And if you're already subscribed, uh, please do take a moment to give the show a rating and leave a review. Talk about why you like it or your favorite episodes, whatever inspires you. Then after that, head over to WFPK.org. It's where I'm hanging out every weeknight starting at 6 p.m. Eastern. You'll get four hours of classics from the 70s, 80s, and 90s. You get the best in new music. There are bonus interviews, lots of music news as well. Uh, one, of my recent, uh, one of my recent shows featured the music of Edwin Collins, Mary Lou Lord, and Semisonic, PJ Harvey. Uh, let's see, uh, Andrew Bird, Prince, The Killers, Aquanetas, Jim Blossoms, Counting Crows, The Innocence Mission, Modern English, Hooray for the Riff Raff, Adrian Linker from Big Thief, Chica, Fishbone, Grace Potter, Sean Colvin, Middle Kids, Billy Holiday, Jimmy's Chicken Shack, Lenny Kravitz, Chartreuse, and my interview with Vince Clark 
of Erasure, Depeche Mode, and Yazoo. And again, uh, an example of what you get every weeknight starting at 6 p.m. Eastern at WFPK.org. Consequence has your music and film news. You can also find me on the old social media sites. The address is always the same, at Kyle Meredith. So I do hope you like and follow along. And that does it for another edition. I'm Kyle Meredith, and I'll see you next time. Consequence Podcast Network. Yeah, excellent stuff. Thank you for, yeah, all right. It's easy to hear your favorite artist on WFPK from wherever you are. Listen on your smart speaker, live stream from our website at WFPK.org from Louisville Public Media. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.